Looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained? Just tell your smart speaker to play Vision Kids Radio. Vision Kids! Problem solved. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Of course, as Christians, we know the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. He's God, the same as the Father and the Son. It appears from the scriptures that in the Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit had a role of empowering people in the formation of the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, we know him as the ongoing presence of God that Jesus promised to his disciples after he ascended to heaven to empower believers to be his witnesses throughout the whole world. We know that he was sent by Jesus. Of course, we could talk about the day of Pentecost, and perhaps we will. And we know that the Holy Spirit works in our regeneration. So, a conversation today about the work of the Holy Spirit. And our special guest through this coming hour is Alan Cowerson. He is a Scottish-born Bible teacher, began preaching as far back as the mid-1970s and trained as a Presbyterian minister. He's been in Australia since 2011 and majors on teaching about the person, the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, a special welcome along and great to be able to talk about a topic like this because this is the God we serve and he reveals himself to us as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Uh, where did your special interest in the Holy Spirit begin? I had a fairly dramatic conversion experience in 1973 from God having no place in my life to being turned 180 degrees round. And um, there was a lot of um, crying involved and uh, fairly deep repentance um, in my life. And that night, the Lord told me he was going to make me a Bible teacher. I had a clue what that meant. But that started off my journey, and I think because of the deep nature of my conversion, um, I've always been hungry for more of the Lord. And um, through reading the Word, I began to read of the experiences of his people in Old and New Testament with the Holy Spirit and realized that I didn't have a lot of that going on. So started to seek um, for myself that infilling of the Holy Spirit, and uh, that that's never gone away. So since 1973, I've been on that journey, learning more about how the Holy Spirit works in my life, works through me, empowers, makes things happen. Alan, when you say the deep nature of your own conversion and uh, yeah. the tears, uh, and it sounds uh, almost painful uh, to hear of you know the the crying, the pouring out of a heart, 
And in that yeah. nature of the conversion, we're actually experiencing something here, which I suppose uh, after the fact you begin to realize is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. How do you yeah. see the work of the Holy Spirit when it comes to this deep nature of conversion? Okay, I think um, so. this is personal opinion, but I think there is a, an emphasis simply on getting people to a point of making a decision to um, follow Christ. But for some people, that decision is not sustained. For some, it's not sustained at all. For others, it's very shallow. And they continue to struggle with habitual sins in their life, commitment to church, to building up the fellowship of believers, to personal witness is is shallow and, and minimal. And and I do believe that the Holy Spirit in his work goes deeper than that in the human heart. And there comes a, such a point of release through the conviction that he brings that you just want to serve him. You want to be around him. You want to be around people um, in whom he's moving, doing things. You want to be around people with current ongoing testimony of their life with God. Alan. Um, so I, I think we need to have a hunger to see that deeper conviction um, through the work of preaching the gospel, personal evangelism and so on. Alan, what do you say to the person listening to us who is saying, wow, it must have been an amazing thing that happened in your conversion experience because uh, what about my own experience, which might not have been so deep as you describe? Perhaps my own experience was more of a shallow experience and, and I've just been going along with the flow a little bit and not necessarily pressing into God in a way that you experienced that early calling. What do you say to those people who are at that point right now where they're saying, well, my experience has been shallow. How do I get into the deep waters like Alan? Well, again, you're right into the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So for, for myself, so there are some... Let me go back to my early Presbyterian experience. Um, there are some Presbyterian ministers who major on the fear of God. And there is no doubt in my mind that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's biblical. And that that can be a way of opening up people to that deeper experience of God. But for myself, um, I have always been a grace person. What hit me and confronted me when I gave my heart to the Lord was that overwhelming sense of his completely unmerited grace, his love for me, his eternal commitment to my well-being. And that melts your heart. So I would say to anyone who feels that their experience of God, their walk with him is a little bit on the shallow side, just start to 
read about his grace, his overwhelming desire for your good, to see you thriving and growing and experiencing success um, in in what you put your hand to. Um, one of my favorite studies, and I go back to it regularly, is the whole command to delight yourself in the Lord. And I have found in him an inexhaustible well of delight. Um, sometimes I'm still doing Bible studies and, and I'll find myself crying, not tears of, of regret or, or sorrow, but just tears of how amazing is this? We have an incredible God. We do. Let's talk about this work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and recognizing that given that we're talking to people all around Australia now and people coming from different denominational backgrounds, people who are in different denominational churches and and uh, hearing of your story, uh, training as a Presbyterian minister, some people think, Alan, uh, that the idea of the Holy Spirit and any special attention to him is just something that happens as some sort of a Pentecostal phenomenon. How do you describe the work of the Holy Spirit, no matter what denomination you might be a part of? So the Holy Spirit loves Jesus. Um, let, let me describe an experience that um, my wife and I had in our first ministry. So uh, I was called to three country parishes on the Orkney Islands, which are right off the north of Scotland, Church of Scotland, Presbyterian parishes. When we moved there, um, there were no Christians, uh, no born-again people in the churches. There were church attenders, but no one was born again. We had gone to the Orkney Islands in response to a word of prophecy that God gave us that we would be three weeks in our charge and we would begin to see a flood of people giving their hearts to Christ. So within six months, we had a midweek Bible study group of about um, 100, 120 people. We would start... um, studying the word about half past seven and we had to plead with them to leave at midnight there was just such an overwhelming hunger for the things of god and so you describe that as uh, as revival conditions that you were experiencing there in the orkney islands yes and it was a sovereign act of god um but the reason i go back to that story is just the sense of presence that we had during our meetings, whether I was preaching on Sundays, the power that there was in the preached word, the power that there was released when people were just reading their Bibles, lives transformed, whole families coming to Christ um, and being radically transformed. It was a sovereign work of God, but the presence was Jesus. Now, I know it was the Holy Spirit, but 
Jesus aligns himself with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus says that he will send another comforter, in in the Greek language, there are two words for another. One is another of a different kind. So heteros, we get heterosexual. And the other word is alois, which means another of the same. And so Jesus is identifying the presence of the Holy Spirit with his own presence. And in my experience, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit is really moving. The name that comes to your lips isn't Holy Spirit, it's Jesus. Well, I wonder if the Holy Spirit loves to lift up and exalt Jesus and point people to him. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open. You might like to join our conversation, 1-800-316-316, to share your thoughts on the work of the Holy Spirit, perhaps your own experience, or a comment on some of the things that our guest has been sharing. Alan Cowison is our guest. He's a Scottish-born Bible teacher. He has been in Australia since 2011, majors on teaching about the person, the work, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Alan, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit and what you saw in your experience, dating back even a few decades, you came to Australia in 2011 and at the call of the Holy Spirit to come here. Give us a little understanding of what it feels like to hear a call to move internationally to another nation like Australia and what your anticipation was when you would uh, when you would move here. Yeah, so we had been visiting Australia um, since um, early 1990s and um, coming out on holiday. My wife's folks moved to Southwest Rocks um, here in New South Wales and... Um, we would come out for holidays just to see them. And we, we felt, after a few of those early visits, um, a warning in our hearts towards Australia that we may end up here. And at that time, we had, I could not see any way in which we would end up living in Australia. So the Lord was very much preparing the way. Our younger son moved um, out here. He lived uh, here for 15 years. He's moved uh, away for work, but then we started to come out to visit him. Then our older son moved um, to Sydney. And so when I came uh, near time to retire, um, I worked um, in education as an education manager for a local authority. And we thought, well, let's move to Australia. So uh, there was planning um decisions that we made were very much based around family. But on the night before we were due to fly here, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Alan, you believe you are coming to Australia for family. I have other plans. Well, within four years of us being here, um, both our sons and our grandkids had moved back to the UK. I think if the Lord hadn't spoken to me that night, I would be very confused. Um, but we know we're in the right place. Um, before we left our um, church in Scotland, 
there was a um, well, two of the elders. Um, one was certainly a Holy Spirit man. One came from a brethren background and had very little experience of the Holy Spirit. But God gave him a dream about my wife and I, Ros and I, um, that we were, what the revival we had seen previously was nothing compared to the scale of what we were going to see. Um, it was a, a very vivid picture that the Lord had given him of us being on a lake and surrounded by mountains, and he said, the mountains that you've seen are nothing compared with the height of what you're going to see and the depth of the lake that you've been on previously is nothing compared with the depth that you're going to experience in, in a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. So, Alan, yeah. so, Alan, when we talk about the experience and the anticipation, I know listeners will be saying, are you seeing any of those signs of this depth of a move of the Holy Spirit that you were assured when you came to Australia. What are you seeing? And I know you travel a little and you, uh, you travel with other ministers as well. Uh, give us some little insight into what you've seen when you visited uh, various communities. Okay, so... Um Again, I'm going to have to go back and draw an experience. One of my um, areas of personal study is Christian revival. Scotland and Wales are two countries in the world that have seen more in the way of revival than any other nation in the world. Um, not a century has gone by where there hasn't been at least one significant outpouring of the Holy Spirit, leading to hundreds and thousands of people giving their hearts to Christ. Some very deep, very long-lasting uh, moves of the Holy Spirit. Now, my understanding of these things is that revival um, grows out of a culture that is created. And one of the things I believe the Lord has called us here to do is to pass on that culture of an expectation of revival. Um, it is based on a deep conviction of the absolute sovereignty of God, that God moves um, in seasons. We grow accustomed, well, actually having said that, there's not too much experience of seasons where I'm living right now. Um, it tends to be fairly ambient weather all year. But back in Scotland, um, we were well used to changes in seasons. And I think through the natural, God demonstrates the ways of the kingdom, that the kingdom also moves in seasons. 
So, so there's a preparation of culture and, as yeah. you say, a culture of revival. As that preparation grounding is put in place, then you can expect a season change. Is that what you're saying? Because, yes, uh, yes this, uh, but for some of us, we might be thinking uh, we're a little bit, you know, like your experience there uh, in New South Wales. There's not too many seasonal differences through the year. <laughs> uh, so yeah. uh, your understanding of seasons a little bit deeper than ours because it's a very definite uh, summer, uh, uh, autumn, winter, and spring. So, uh, so understanding these seasons an important part of the the, the culture of revival. But what I want to get onto here is that culture can be obviously broader across our community, but it could be a personal culture or a family culture. How do you talk about creating that actual culture for this to happen? Yes. So I think um, teaching through through the Bible. Um, picking, let's say, the life of David in the Old Testament. David was a man who experienced tremendous highs, uh, intimacy with God, but also tremendous depths where he felt isolated and alone and alienated. So even in our personal lives, we can actually see some um, is our own blame, if we choose to turn away from God. But sometimes I think um, God fills us with good things and then he wants us to do something with them. And if we just keep looking to get filled with good things, we end up wasting the things we've already been given. So part of culture is becoming biblically aware of the seasons in our lives when God is filling us with fresh revelation, fresh insight, and those other times which can feel drier, where we are expected to take what we have learned of his kingdom purposes and principles and put them into practice in our daily lives. Now, revival is a little bit like that. There hasn't been as yet a single revival anywhere in the world that has lasted for a long period of time. Um, but there have been revivals where people have taught personal responsibility that when the dramatic move of the Holy Spirit has cooled down a little bit, that there is a responsibility on us to take the enthusiasm, the joy, the sense of calling and purpose, and to begin to make a difference wherever God has planted us. Now, that's kind of what I mean by, by culture, that I can accept there are times when um, I'm maybe not receiving as much from the Lord as I would hope or um, want uh, or expect. But in those times, it doesn't mean he has stopped working. It doesn't even mean that the work has slowed down. There is just a shift in responsibility to me. So the Holy Spirit is doing good things in people and uh, even to the point where it is a feel-good uh, circumstance that he creates in us. But uh, this is not the end of the story. As you say, when God is pouring out blessing on us, 
what goes hand in hand with that is God in the fulfillment of his purposes, his divine purposes for humanity, his divine purpose for Australia. So uh, what we glean from the Holy Spirit, uh, we need to be prepared then to enact according to his purposes. Is that what you're uh, sharing with this idea that God does good things, but uh, he's doing things according to his eternal purpose? Exactly. Um, just a month ago, uh, we were down in Melbourne. Uh, we were visiting a church down there, and uh, I received a prophetic word, which is about this very thing, this creational culture. So it's a culture of expectation. Um, because of my reading in Revival, I, I have an idea of what we might expect when we talk about a revival. So the depth of conviction, I mean, I've led hundreds of people to Christ, but during the five years when the Holy Spirit was really moving in the Orkney Isles, it was easy to bring people into a deep experience of conversion. Um, they, They were so prepared by the Holy Spirit going ahead and softening up their hearts and making them receptive. There are times when I've led people to Christ, but it's been much more of a struggle, um, much harder work. Um, it's felt like more of an effort. So I think... Alan, I'm going to need to cut in for a moment because we're about to go to news and we'll pick up this thread. We were talking about a culture of expectation And in talking about this culture of expectation, it comes down to an understanding uh, of believers about what God says through his scripture. I wonder whether you uh, have some thoughts on uh, just where we left off before, making sure that we are actually creating and building that culture of expectation. Absolutely. So um, I, I think one of the misconceptions that people have about being a Christian, living as a Christian, is that, yes, God gets them saved, but then it's up to them to sort out their mess, live good lives. And um, the Christian life under those conditions can be very much an ongoing struggle. And I don't believe that's right. So in, in John's Gospel, this is one of the expectations that Jesus sets out in chapter 3, He says that flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Um, Unless you are born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So the Holy Spirit is essential not just to get us into the kingdom of heaven, but to live in the kingdom of heaven. And if we try to live out the Christian life only by our own efforts, we're going to crash and burn um, because it's such hard work. So one of the expectations that I think is really important is that we should expect a, a life of partnership with the Holy Spirit. And Paul prays for a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Um, And it should be ongoing wisdom for all the daily um, tasks of life, 
however big or small, that should be ongoing revelation to keep our hearts soft, to keep the fire burning in our hearts, passion for the Lord. Um, Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Alan, how much of the uh, empowerment that you're talking about, uh, living a life according to the Spirit and not the flesh, how much of that is in fact coming down to personal choice? Uh, As you mentioned earlier, and we talked about your deep conversion experience, uh, for the person who's had only a shallow experience, uh, these choices might be harder to make. How do you talk about choice and the personal responsibility to open ourselves to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I read a long time ago in a Christian book um, that a young man asked an older Christian, when he described his own experience, he says, it feels like there's two dogs fighting in me, one that wants to go God's way, one that wants to go the opposite direction. And the old man listened and uh, eventually said, yes, my experience would be largely the same. So the young man said, well, which one wins? And the old man said, the one I feed. So I think that our choices tend to be driven by um, what we're feeding. Are we feeding the... um, spirit side of our life or are we just continually feeding the fleshly side of our life if if we live feeding the flesh we're going to reap flesh and there is a, a point of commitment to seeking god through his word through prayer but again not just religious activity but through that to receive his infilling of the Holy Spirit constantly, that refreshment that comes from him. And Peter in in Acts talks about times of refreshing coming from the hand of the Lord. And, And I believe that all of us, individual churches, we need times of refreshing. We need times when in partnership with the Holy Spirit, we just see God very, very clearly at work. Is so it? Let, uh, let, 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 yep. Sorry, carry on. I was going to say when we talk about refreshing, is this something that happens in a daily prayer time, or is this something that happens through the corporate gathering? You've got, uh, you know, the uh, the routine that you might have in attending your local church, or is it a midweek meeting, a gathering of like-minded friends? Uh, this idea of uh, of uh, of together uh, experiencing something of this uh, enlarging, empowering of the Holy Spirit, this refreshing that you're talking about. Yeah. So uh, it's all of those. <laughs> it's the short answer. <laughs> um, but but God loves each of us with a passion, and so I I would say that the starting point is that sense in every individual believer's heart that God has blessing in store for them. And that conviction draws us out to seek the Lord, 
I believe that's a very powerful dynamic. Let me give you one example, again, going back to the revival in Orkney. One of the things that I saw was that the women who were saved, so my wife um, ran three women's groups every week. There were so many women um, had been saved. And they all started to buy bigger handbags. And the reason was that they never went anywhere without their Bibles. So the handbag had to be big enough to fit their Bible. And in coffee shops and restaurants and when they visited one another in the homes, the Bibles were opened and they were sharing testimony of what the Lord had said to them and how they had experienced the Lord. And and they encouraged one another. There was such a sense of um, individual joy that flowed into a common stream across the church, an excitement, an expectation. Um, it was just wonderful. Joy, excitement, and expectation, those things are not just an intellectual experience, are they? Because for some who have their perception of the work of the Holy Spirit, I mean, you can pick up that scripture in John chapter 16, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. And for some, the idea of the Holy Spirit guiding into truth is an intellectual experience, but you're saying this is much deeper than an intellectual experience. Intellectuality, no doubt, is a important part of that and ought not to be watered down. But, but these other dimensions of personal human experience, this is what you're getting at here, that this is what the Holy Spirit is about shaping us as an entire person. Totally. I mean, Jesus said the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, he didn't just say, love the Lord your God with all your mind. That is in there. Um, it is important to be developing a sound understanding uh, for your faith. But it's also developing the heart, loving the Lord with all your heart. And we accept and acknowledge that the heart is the seat of our desires, our emotions, um, our feelings, and our souls. Our souls are the seat of our creativity, our personality, the things that identify us uniquely as individuals. And we are also to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and all our souls. So yes, I absolutely believe the Holy Spirit is at work in developing whole people. What about the way that we are led by the Holy Spirit? Because I can appreciate that there'll be some people saying, leading me where, or leading me to what? Where does those uh, elements of the attitudes and the actions of a person's life, I'm thinking of Galatians chapter 5 and the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Holy yes. Spirit. How do you describe being led by the Spirit? Because some people will be saying, led where? There can be a physical dimension to it. So I do believe we were led to the Orkney Islands in response to a word of prophecy, as I say, but also a, a scripture that um, I was, was given. Um, we have been led to start groups, start meetings. Um, so there can be that physical um, element to it. But the leading or prompting of the Holy Spirit can also to be 
um, can also be around say, an act of kindness. So you see someone in the street and you feel your heart moved with um, compassion toward them. You may want to go in and offer to help them. So we have, we have picked up all sorts of strangers and given them lifts here and there. We've bought messages for people who looked as if they needed a little bit of help in that way. And, and so there are all sorts of um, acts, I think, that the Holy Spirit prompts us to, to do, to engage in. Um, it, it can even be a prompting, a leading of the Holy Spirit to abandon, for example, anger or to let go of unforgiveness. There is a, a conviction that grows that you're holding on to some root of bitterness that you need to deal with. My goodness, so many ways in which the Holy Spirit is just involved in our lives from day to day. And of course, the Holy Spirit is at work whether we know it, feel it, or perceive it or not. Uh, let me bring you to that scripture in John chapter 16, uh, where Jesus describes what the work of the Holy Spirit will be. And uh, if we're looking at John chapter 16 and verse 8, uh, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And that's, uh, you know, people might recognize that in different uh, translations that you might read. But, yeah. but those three things, those elements that Jesus says, uh, this is a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing, whether we understand it or not. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And again, this goes back to the whole thing about seasons. There are times when that work seems to be almost non-existent. It is still going on, but we don't see a lot of evidence for it. And then there are other times when it's just a time of harvest and it's like all heaven breaking loose. And uh, suddenly there are droves of people coming to Christ and people are seeking salvation. Um, people are um, hungry for the deeper things of God. So, for example, we had a midweek prayer meeting and um, everyone who was saved would be at the midweek prayer meeting. We had midweek Bible studies. And again, everyone who was saved would be at the midweek Bible study. So there is this ongoing desire. Um, one of the things about revival or um, that season where the Holy Spirit is, is moving perhaps more visibly is that that um, hunger for God becomes sharper and clearer. You can see it um, right across the church, right across God's people. So although our congregation in Orkney was the, the seat of the revival, it influenced all of the other evangelical churches across the islands. They all reaped and um, benefit from it. When we talk about the New Testament uh, purpose and power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we could go to Acts chapter 1 and a very yep. famous scripture there where, in fact, uh, it's Jesus' words, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. With the power of the Holy Spirit, what ought to we be expecting to happen uh, as, uh, as we live our day-to-day -day lives and as we are aligned with the things of God? 
Okay, let me give you one um, little illustrative experience. So um, I did my divinity degree at Edinburgh University, um, New College in, in Edinburgh. And um, I was a part of the conservative evangelical group of Christians. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'd received the baptism of the Spirit. Um, but I was standing at one of the study desks in the old library at New College in Edinburgh, and um, this student came into the little area where I was standing alone, uh, reading and, and studying, and he said to me, just tell me this, when you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what difference did it make? And I had my Bible open in front of me, and I said, I was reading the testimonies of God's people in the New Testament, and I realized there's something missing from my experience. So since receiving the baptism of the Spirit, what I've found is that my life now aligns more closely to the lives and experiences of God's people that I read about in the New Testament. And he put his hand up and he said, that's, a, that's it, that's all I want to hear. And off he went. I found out years later that he had been baptized in the Spirit. But, but I think Christians can be worried when we start to talk about the Holy Spirit, that it's somehow going to move us away from biblical foundations. In my experience, it's the opposite, that when the Holy Spirit is moving in power, we become much more reliant on revelation from the Word of God. Yes, there are the gifts of the Spirit. I have had words of prophecy. I've spoken in tongues. I've laid hands on people and seen them healed. Um, but all the time, the touchstone is the testimony of Scripture. And I think when you're moving in an exciting time of the Holy Spirit, you're constantly going back to the Scripture. Lord, you need to give me wisdom here. How do I handle this? Well, when we talk through this experience of the Holy Spirit and uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'm aware that in different denominations, sometimes the teaching is slightly different uh, when it comes to what that yes. baptism of the Spirit is. But I'm going to yes. wonder if you're uh, able to, uh, if we ask you to pray for listeners in just a few moments around this idea of deepening your experience of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and for some people that might mean a baptism of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and and we'd like to align with the scriptures when it comes to how people's experience of the Holy Spirit might be. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about this just for a moment. Then I'm going to ask you if you can lead us in a prayer, Alan, how, how we might have a deepening experience of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, this deepening, this is something that obviously people are open to in a church service uh, because they hear about these things, they hear from the Scripture, they respond. Uh, that can happen right now as we're speaking and, list and listeners are anticipating our, their own deeper experience. I wonder whether you can uh, enlarge on that a little and just lead us in a prayer so do you want to say something first and then pray or well maybe we pray? maybe we can cut through saying something and uh, because we've had a great conversation and i know listeners uh, who are wanting to respond now uh, may will just yeah. be open to a presence and power the work of the holy spirit in their own lives so uh, why don't you lead us in uh, in a short prayer and just uh, ask god for his blessing upon people yes yeah. 
Father, you are the God of the Old and the New Testament. And Lord, in your word, you say that those who believe out of their hearts will flow rivers of living water. And Lord, in the Old Testament, the river of life that flows from uh, under the threshold of the temple has a major impact in the environment around it. And I believe, Father, that you're a God of influence, that you're a God who wants to influence this world through your people. I pray, Lord, against any fear that may hold people back from yielding more fully to you. Lord, we may have grown up in traditions that have caused us to fear and be anxious about the work of the Spirit. We may have had personal experiences that have caused us to become suspicious and close-minded. I pray against that fear. I pray, Father, that through your great love and tenderness towards each one of your children, you will open us up to a fresh knowledge of how true your Father's heart is toward us. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes to see so much more of the wonderful life that Jesus died to give us, life in all its fullness, life in abundance. Lord, all of this is part of that river of life that is the function and work and purpose of the Holy Spirit in us and through us as individuals and as churches. Lord, release your peace, and in that peace, may we receive more of the gracious, Jesus-centered influence of the Holy Spirit. May we receive that quickening, that empowering, We receive, Father, because we know that your heart is for us to receive good things. We who are evil know how to give good things to our children. How much more, Jesus said, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's all tied up with your fathering of us, Lord and your partnership with us through our lives. So just come, have your way, and move in us and through us, Lord, to the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the blessing of this poor, sad world that is so lost right now. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. And uh, Alan, I know that uh, there'll be listeners touched by the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, as you've led us in prayer. Uh, Alan Cowerson has been our guest over this past hour, and uh, there's no specific website to point listeners to, but you could Google Alan's name, Alan Cowerson, 
and you'll find uh, different places uh, where you can hear recorded teaching and messages that he's brought on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Alan Cowson, a Scottish-born Bible teacher, trained as a Presbyterian minister, been in Australia since 2011, majors on teaching about the person, the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And Alan, I want to thank you so much for taking this time today to share your own experience of the Holy Spirit and uh, to take us a little deeper into these issues. Alan, thank you for being with us on 2020. Thank you. It's been a privilege and a joy. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.